Hey, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode on Business Unveiled. And today I am so excited to be talking with one of my most amazing female entrepreneur friends. Her name is Stacy Wolf. And a little backstory before I bring Stacy on. She and I met in the entrepreneur organization a couple of years ago. I actually think we were both on the board and I want to say we were like in Canada or somewhere and we really um, got to know each other and bonded and it was just a great experience in being on the board together and being able to take these awesome trips and learn from other leaders and speakers and so forth. And so I didn't really know exactly what she did. Like I knew that she was in restaurants. I knew that her background was in real estate and kind of like a lot of us that like to do a lot of things. We all kind of have a little bit of entrepreneur-itis and we're really great at a few things. And so um, I would say like today, I really want Stacy to share with us how she has built incredible businesses and how she has exited those businesses and she has a brand new business and concept that she is going to share with us today. So you definitely are going to want to listen in and follow on her journey because she is an awesome person and a wonderful entrepreneur just to follow in general. Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Business Unveiled, expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals, where we take you behind the scenes of our past experiences in the creative industry and share with you what we have learned from them and how they have made us stronger. This podcast will help you grow a productive and profitable business to launch you into success within the creative industry. Today's podcast is being brought to you by the GSD Retreat. It's for badass business owners who want to get shit done beachside in Cabo, Mexico on December 2nd through 6th. This is an annual business strategy and content planning retreat to come and join me and several other amazing speakers in a spectacular oceanfront bedroom villa for an intimate business retreat where you will experience not only fun and friendship, but we want to get shit done. Do you actually block time on your calendar to work on your business to plan for consistent content and for consistent marketing each month? But you know, something always comes up. I want to invite you to come to spend three full days with me collaborating with like-minded business individuals looking to get this done, to knock it out. I will show you exactly how to put together an annual plan with content creation, images, weekly schedule, and so much more. If you're interested, I want to invite you to visit bit dot ly slash gsd retreat come spend three days with me in cabo where you will leave with an amazing amazing plan where you can fast track your personal and professional goals 
leaving you with the return on investment of being absolutely priceless. Visit bit.ly slash GSD retreat. So before we jump in, I just, everybody listening, just so you know, before we jump off with Stacy's background, when I met Stacy, she was the co-founder of 312 Pizza Company, which is an amazing pizza. Just, I, I guess, what would you call it? Based on like Chicago recipe type deep yeah. dish? Pizza? Yeah, I'm originally from Chicago. So we decided to bring authentic Chicago pizza to Nashville. And it was, it's literally incredible. Like the, that, the pizza, and then the, what are those cheese curd things? Is that what they're called? <laughs> yeah. So we have the Wisconsin cheese curds. So those are one of my favorite things as well. And we make it all from scratch. Yeah. I mean, just incredible. And then also, I know that you have a love for chocolate, which who doesn't, but you actually mastered the art of making not only chocolate and, and branding people's brands in chocolate, you have a vegan chocolate line. Is that right? <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. The, the chocolate project was more of a selfish endeavor because it's one of my most favorite things. So I decided to teach myself how to make chocolate and open a chocolate store. And we do everything from handmade artisan truffles corporate branding, like you mentioned. And yes, we do vegan chocolate as well. Which it's like so impressive. I mean, we were meeting a group there and she's like, and this is vegan chocolate and this and this. And with uh, one of my team members, she is pescatarian. And so I've like learned to understand and appreciate like all these little things, how people pay attention to dietary needs these days. Um, and then plus it's like, you know, I'm allergic to so much stuff. So, so they're pretty <laughs> yeah. good, those things. Yeah, um, owning restaurants, you learn how sensitive people really are to different foods. And so we try to be as accommodating as possible. Yeah, which is awesome. And then and you also own the Green Hour and search Nash.com, which we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But before we even jump into talking about how you got into real estate and then restaurants and food and hospitality and customer service and back into real estate, take us all the way back from how did your journey really begin as an entrepreneur? That's a great question. And it takes us all the way back to Northern Illinois over 10 years ago. And I had been working in corporate sales for several years and always knew that I wanted to work for myself. I enjoyed the flexibility and time freedom of being in sales. You know, you had a lot more control over your schedule. However, I just wasn't as fulfilled as I thought I could be. So I started thinking about, you know, what do I love to do? I love talking to people. I love building relationships. And what could I do that would allow me to continue that kind of work, but also have more time freedom, more flexibility, and more control over my income potential? And that led me to real estate. So I was selling real estate in Northern Illinois in the Chicagoland area. And I started doing that during one of the greatest housing crises we've ever seen in this country. So believe it or not, I started selling real estate in 2007, leading right into 2008, 2009. Um, so that was a really interesting way to begin a real estate career. 
But the good news is, is I, I had training, I knew how to run my day and my schedule. And I ended up being the rookie of the year for my real estate company, my first year in real estate. So that was something I really, really loved doing. After a couple years and during the recession, I just kind of felt like I wanted a change. And I had always lived in the Midwest and, you know, Nashville seemed like a place that was energetic. Things were happening here and, you know, it's somewhere I'd never been before. So up I moved and came to Nashville and uh, came really without a job. So my real estate license didn't transfer and I was here with no career. So I started working. That's kind of scary. (laughs) It's really scary, but I kind of do things like that. You know, when I make up my mind, I just jump in and So what I started doing was experiential marketing. So large corporations would come through Nashville for conventions or trade shows. And I would be their point person here in Nashville to run those programs and make sure they were staffed and everything was going well. And so I did that for about two years. And that kind of leads us to opening 312 Pizza Company. I moved here with some of my family And we were really missing Chicago pizza, like just desperately missing it. So (laughs) you don't even know. It's like a way of life in Chicago. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So I started experimenting in my kitchen and I'm like, I'm going to find a deep dish pizza recipe that kicks butt and I'm going to create this thing just so I can have this at home. And I did, you know, lots of testing, many different recipes. And I'll never forget the day I finally nailed it. And I was like, oh my gosh, everybody come and eat this pizza. It's so amazing. So we started feeding it to our friends and friends from Nashville, people who would visit us from Chicago and everybody had the same reaction. They were like, this is amazing. You need to open a restaurant. So that's what we did and kind of did it on a shoestring budget, by the way. So it was like a total bootstrap effort. So how did you, I mean, having this great idea and starting in your kitchen, but then understanding and learning how to start a business, where to get the money, the location, and trying to figure out who your target audience is, walk us through like, what was your journey and did everything go as planned or you were just kind of taking it as it came and how did you open your first location so the good news is corporate training helped a ton so my background has always been more in the sales and marketing domain so i immediately started thinking like a marketer and started planning how i would get the word out about this product um You know, we did a lot of grassroots marketing. Things did not go as planned. Um, We were were over budget. You know, we didn't anticipate all of the codes, you know, and inspections and, and anything that goes into this. But I'll say the most important lesson was we had a business plan right from the beginning, a really solid one. So we made sure to think of everything that a potential investor would want. Um, would want to see. And we really, in the beginning, financed it um, 
majority ourselves and ended up bringing in a third party investor at the very end of the project. Um, but because we had such a solid business plan and I cooked him the pizza, you know, he was like, awesome. I like it. I'm in guys. So for me, the success came from knowing how to talk to people, really identifying who the target customer was. And the way I did that was just listening. Like I noticed there were tons of people moving to Nashville from Chicago and I wanted to connect with them. So I started, you know, joining different Facebook groups. I joined the Germantown Neighborhood Association just so I could go and start talking to people about this new business idea that we were bringing to Germantown. You know, I inserted myself in the community at every opportunity so people already knew who I was as a person before the brand even opened to the public. So I embedded myself as much as I could and really made sure that I made relationships with people, not just, I didn't want to just be this, you know, this brand that people didn't have a human face behind. So the, the community and the connections is so important. Like yes. social media is great, but when you don't have those relationships, you don't have organic growth. Um, exactly. And so I remember going to a holiday event that I believe was right around Thanksgiving. Um, and that's the first time that I was introduced to like the food and the restaurant and the community. You guys had a wonderful location in Germantown and I know did very well and you knew your audience and then I know you opened a second location. So tell us about that venture. Like, how did you know it was time to open a new location? And how did you start managing, you know, both of those? So are you referring to opening Tempered next or opening the, the next 312? The next 312. And then we'll go okay. back to Jacqueline. Perfect. So we started noticing that 312 Germantown was kind of busting at the seams. The kitchen was no longer able to handle the capacity and we were struggling to keep the ticket times low, low enough that people would want to hang out and wait for pizza. So, you know, we really dug in and looked to see if, if it was time to open another location. And there's a lot that goes into doing that. And quite honestly, we made a lot of mistakes. And I think maybe, maybe jumped into this a little prematurely um, because there were some things that happened that we just didn't foresee. Um, for example, choosing a location that we had, we had hoped was gonna become a next up and coming area of Nashville that just didn't quite pop as quick as we needed it to. So on one hand, we knew it was time to expand, but on the second, the second hand, we may have not really dug in deep enough to make sure we went to the exact right part of the city. How did you, so I know that it was like, and it still is, the, the second location was up and coming. How did you all choose to do that? Were you like, we're just going to take a risk and... Hopefully that area will grow. Yeah, I mean it was part partly a risk because we we really wanted to be in South Nashville near the interstate. So it fit the bill there. 
And we had talked to, you know, some of the developers and they were sharing, you know, what projects were coming down the pipeline, you know, we're going to be close to the soccer stadium. And we just really had high hopes that that corridor was going to just pop kind of like how Germantown did. And I do believe it still is going to happen. Um, I just think it didn't happen quite as quickly as we had hoped. Um, that location was very enticing because we were able to negotiate some really great incentives, you know, with our lease, with build out money. So it seemed like a win-win situation. Uh, but in hindsight, we maybe should have been a little bit more discerning about the location and, and done a little bit more market research on the density and how quickly that area really was going was gonna to build up. Yeah. And also too, I mean, going back to having enough hands. Okay. So, you know, Germantown was busting at the seams and it's like the kitchen could really not handle anymore. And then it's like, if people have to wait a long time, that's not great customer service. And so I know that a few other people that I've talked to just in the restaurant and hospitality industry as a whole, especially in the Nashville market, they can have this great business plan, great location, negotiate wonderful rates on the build-outs and, and square footage. But if you don't have the people and the right people who are trained in hospitality, growing a second or a third or a fourth location can really be hard. So how did you all handle finding the right people for that second location? Well, I'll be honest with you, that, that was also a major contributor with that location never quite being able to match the impact that Germantown really had. Um, Nashville is in a hospitality worker shortage right now. And so it becomes really difficult to hire people in a competitive way to, you know, really attract the best talent. And we've always been a company that wanted to do what's right for the employee and, you know, make it an environment that people love to come to work. Um, but at the end of the day, there's only so much profit margin available in the business. So, you know, we were pushing the upper limits of our pay brackets and that still wasn't able to retain the right people. So I think, you know, the lack of hands here in Nashville in the hospitality industry has been really tough for people in the service industry. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy because it's like there's plenty of consumers that want to come spend the money, but it's, it's harder than what people think to find good people that actually will show up on time, do what they're paid to do. I don't know, like if it's, pure laziness sometimes or people just don't live the way they used to live in terms of setting high goals and expectations for themselves. Um, I mean, just being in hospitality myself, it's like incredibly frustrating sometimes. And then it's like the older yeah. I get, the younger they get. And then I'm like, why do you think you're so entitled? Like, are you, <laughs> I, I, I get mad sometimes. And then I, I have to take a step back and say like, they don't know what they don't know. No one's ever guided them and taught them and trained them. And some people it, are willing to work <laughs> and some aren't. They have this incredible opportunity where, you know, they can get a job today decide they don't want to come in tomorrow and have another job offer two days later. Yeah. So 
the market is kind of primed people to operate that way. So, I mean, in one hand, it's great that we have a really strong job market. Um, and now it's just a matter of what can the employers do to really protect against, um, you know, losing employees. Yeah. So when did Temper come into play with this? Okay, we have this restaurant and then now we're going to do chocolate, which again, I know is like more of a passion, but it's done very well. And you've helped some incredible brands in Nashville on the corporate side. So when did that start to come into play and how did you allocate your time between the two? Tempered was opened about six months after 312 Germantown and it was kind of by chance. You know, I was walking around the block to go get a coffee and I had noticed that the bakery that I used to like to go to was closed. So I called and I was like, oh, what's going on guys? I'm like, oh, you know, we just, we're, we're done, you know, baking and the space is available. And so I pounced on it, not really knowing what, what we were going to do, but I was like, I want to see it before somebody else scoops it up. And, you know, I was like, this would be the perfect chocolate store. So it was more like, here's a space. I've always wanted to do this. It might not be excellent timing, but here we go. And so that's when it became super important to be very disciplined with time management because now I had two young brands that really needed my attention. So I would spend, you know, I would try to spend half and half, like half of my time working on 312 sales and half of my time working on chocolate development, recipe creation, and um, building up wholesale accounts. So what I ended up doing is, you know, if I was, if I was at 312, I would have my laptop so I could work on tempered and 312. And if I was at tempered, I'd have my laptop so I could work on either. So I was constantly toggling back and forth, but it worked, you know, for, for many years, it, the model worked and I was able to juggle both concepts because both like people in the community got to know me as, Oh, that's Stacy. She works with 312 and tempered. So they could call me whether they needed catering for a lunch or dessert for a reception. You mentioned having, you know, it wasn't just you, you had investors, partners, whatever you want to call it, both. How did you all split the duties? And it's like, I'm going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And were you all always on the same page of like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to own. Um, you know, in building a business, it is some of us understand like we are amazing at certain things and we suck at other things. And so being very clear with partners and investors on clarifying and being very clear what they're going to do and what you're going to do. What was your experience in that? Yeah, so in the beginning, I think it was a very clear cut and dry who was good at what, and we kind of divided and conquered the roles according to our strengths. And over time, roles kind of evolve and who's doing what changes. And I will say, looking back, what I would do differently if I was to do this all over again is I would make sure there was a yearly review of the operating agreement to make any necessary changes that have evolved over the past year. Um, something that kind of came back to bite me a little bit was, you know, we're still operating under an operating agreement from five years ago, but Yikes. 
yeah, the roles and the duties of what everybody's doing has kind of transformed um, throughout those years. So when, you know, if you happen to have a conflict in your business and you want to use the operating agreement to resolve that conflict, you need to be really sure the operating agreement is still reflecting the values of the company and the values of its members. So the time to review an operating agreement is not when something is going wrong. It's when everything is going right. Uh, and that's just something uh, that moving forward, I'm going to be really sure that when I'm, you know, forming a partnership, um, I'm able to make sure those agreements are there to protect all members. Because um, I think over time, you know, we, we lost a little bit on, um, on the expectations of each member, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, like, I was in a family business, not that I was an owner by any means, but just growing up in a family business, having a venue and starting to understand revenue and profit and ROI and like all these words that I had no clue <laughs> what any of them meant until I like had to start paying bills and people and like running a company. And I'm like, oh shit, I do not know what I'm doing. Um, and so sometimes like I, like I chose to educate myself and like go to some of these companies like SCORE and other, other like Catalyst and like EO, which we have both been a part of and really learn those things, which what I have learned from doing that is just because I want to educate myself. That doesn't mean like my family necessarily wants to do that. And so I know it can be frustrating and difficult at times, at least it has been for me when I've had access to all this great knowledge. And then I try to and I've even like had my friends working with me at points where it literally ruined my friendship and the relationship somewhat, like even with my parents, um, you know, when I stepped out of healthcare and said, okay, I'm going to focus on weddings and my business in full, full time, like they thought I was on drugs, like they thought something was wrong with me. And it's just like, I decided at that point that I just could not have a conversation with them about business practices any longer because they were so far off from mindset and generationally as well. Like they grew up in the era of you work for the same company for 30 years and retire off of a pension and social security and like stuff that probably won't even exist when I'm like ever able, which I don't ever see retiring, like always. Are, okay. um, so what has your experience been? Like if people who are listening, you know, work with family or work with friends or have partnerships, like shit ain't always perfect. And so what are some tactics that you have used to get through some of those moments? Like you're a very down to earth level headed woman entrepreneur. And so how have you approached that when it's like they don't think the way you think and they're not interested in trying to understand your perspective? Like how have you dealt with that? It's tough. And I've experienced a very similar situation to the one that you just shared where my, my tactics have always been get as much information as I can be a lifelong learner and I'm looking for the most economical way to get things done and I come from you know the belief that the the entrepreneur doesn't have to be the one to do everything 
you know, we need to know when it's time to delegate. We need to know when it's time to bring in other experts. And we need to know when we are the ones that can get this task done. And, you know, I've had the experience of having partners who had more of the belief that you should be the one doing all the roles in your job. And so when you have two very different schools of thought, it can start to cause a lot of conflict. And, you know, if that's kind of where I explain the operating agreement situation, or if you don't have a document there to protect yourself to really define who's doing what, you can get into these, you know, situations where you're doing the role you've always done, but now suddenly your partners feel like you should be doing something else. But if you don't have it in writing, you know, there's nothing there to protect you. So, you know, some of that has gone on um, in my past. And it, that's kind of where I decided, you know what, I think it's time to break away and forge out on my own. Um, because I just am not an entrepreneur that can work in a partnership situation when we're not on the same page. And when we don't agree fundamentally how the business needs to run and move forward into the future. So for someone who might be in that situation, which I think you and I both have been in that situation before where we've had, whether you want to call it business partners, friends, family agreements, whatever, how do you even begin to sit up and stand up and say, I am not putting up with this shit anymore. I've tried and tried and tried and tried and I'm hitting a brick wall how do you even begin to build the confidence up to step away? And how do you approach that? Like, what does that look like? Well, for someone who's never had to do it before, it's very scary. And my temptation has always been to people please and just get through it. And, oh, you know, they want me to do this now. So just do it, you know, just do mm -hmm. it. And then the conflict will go away and we could get back to work. But look, I'm not getting any younger and I want some more freedom, flexibility, and I want to achieve levels of success that I haven't even seen yet. So I realized that the only way I was going to be able to move into that direction was to leave the partnership that I was in. So if you can't get people in a room to really try to hash out an agreement, unfortunately, you have to get lawyers involved. And, and that's when you come back to all of your operating documents to try to protect your interests. So, you know, it's, I went through some, some really scary situations that I've never been in before. Um, I went against my, my past programming and kind of stood up and pushed back. And, and I think, I think it's been for the best. I have no idea what's ahead, just so you know, <laughs> um, but I have some ideas of how I'm going to, find success again and create something that I can really call mine. It, which is awesome. So even before I feel like you decided, um, you know, my endeavor of being partners in these businesses, it's time to step away. And, and you actually stood up and took control like of your own life and your own destiny, which is amazing. Um, I've been in that situation too, where it's like, I don't even think about it because if I think about it or if I talk to anybody about it, they will try to talk me out of it. And then it's like yeah. the same thing where, oh my gosh, 
I just need to do something for myself. And sometimes you can't plan your future. In fact, there's a much higher power involved. And but you at least have to take a chance. And so I know that you have, since you decided, okay, I'm going to move on, start some new things. You've started Search Nash. You have gotten back into real estate in the Nashville market, but I know that you also are all over the world traveling and opening up your options as an entrepreneur so what is search nash and then also what is the green hour so we'll do the green hour first that is a pop-up cocktail bar that happens inside of tempered cafe so we kind of use tempered you know during the day for chocolate and coffee and wine but realized it was underutilized in the evenings so on the weekends we kind of recreate an old speakeasy and we serve absinthe just like they did in 1800s France. So it's a really fun experience. You can come and get the absinthe fountain with the portion of absinthe, the spoon, the sugar cube, and the bartender teaches you how to prepare the perfect drink. So the green hour was just kind of like a little fun hey, let's increase the revenue here. We already have the space and this fits the theme. It's French, you know, it's, it's speakeasy, you know, Nashville loves their cocktail bars. So um, we kind of put that up there and it's been really awesome. How fun. That is awesome. And then Serge Nash, that is my um, real estate endeavor here in Nashville. I retook all of my licensing exams and in hitting the ground running here in Nashville, trying to assist people with the home buying and selling process. But I also bring a unique spin having been a brick and mortar business owner. Um, I'm also really pushing my focus on helping people navigate commercial leases and things like that. Because when I first started, I had no idea what to look for in a commercial lease. And you know, I'm hoping I can help other people avoid the pitfalls that I experienced when um, getting my businesses started originally. Absolutely. Well, and also too, just in talking with you about your whole real estate perspective, not only do you bring a different perspective because of those experiences, which guys like education's great, college is great, school is great, but sometimes you just have to experience the shit yourself to figure out like, oh, I shouldn't freaking do that again. And then helping other people based on your experience, which is the foundation of EO that we both have kind of been potty trained, if you will, Um, with that mentality. It's like people are so much more open to learning from someone who's actually gone through it, experienced it, what they would do differently, how they would handle it. And the real estate, honestly, especially commercially, is constantly changing. And it's like, how the hell do you keep up? And online, just reading as a consumer, it's kind of scary because there's so much paid sponsorship advertising out there these days that you really don't know who's authentic, who's honest, who's not being honest, who's just saying that to make money. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to navigate. And so the approach that you have taken as under real estate and commercial is just really sharing from experience and almost acting as, as a truthful concierge, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I love to offer advice where I can. I want to give people the best experience possible and I'm going to do that. I'm going to help somebody, even if, you know, it costs me extra time, you know, I'm not just out for the deal. Uh, one thing I like to focus on is the relationship, not the transaction. So, you know, sometimes it might be helping somebody sell their home on their own because their goal is to save money. So if I can throw some resources their way, um, you know, it's all about that relationship because guess what? In the future, they're going to probably buy a home or they're going to sell a home. And I was that person that was there for them, even though they didn't pay me. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll think of me in the future, refer me out to friends. So I found a lot of success just really building relationships pe with people and not being so focused on the money. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, well, and something that EO has taught me, um, one mentor was like, why do you just do people's weddings? Like, why would you not focus on life cycle clients? Because it's great that you have an introduction to weddings and you've already built their trust. And why would you not also help them with holiday events? Because our, our target market are entrepreneurs because they're too busy. They know that they need us. They just want a fun, wow experience. And they're going to trust us because we have built up the brand that we are an honest business with integrity where we are going to work for the client. It's not about the money. The money will come, um, especially the more experience you gain. And I never really thought about it that way. I'm like, well, people don't hire us for that. And he was like, well, are you telling people that? Like after your wedding, like, hey, just wanted to let you know, we can also do your company party or your holiday installation decor and do this and do birthday parties and do baby showers. And I'm like, oh, it's real simple. Like just tell people. And so it's like when you give back and you're genuinely helpful, like you said, people don't even go to search the internet. They come back because they remember that experience and that relationship that you have built with them. So exactly. I've learned that as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you, we were talking earlier, like you really focus on giving to getting, which I still think is like very relevant to the relationship versus the deal at the time, focusing on long-term. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not afraid to give up tidbits of information that could help somebody. I'm not worried about, oh, what if they don't, what if they don't hire me? Um, it'll all come with time and it always has. So just being a good person and doing the right thing is, is the most important thing to me. Which is awesome. I mean, so really like your next big adventure while you're still doing Nashville real estate and helping people a ton. I know that you and I both are, um, I'm probably way more obsessive because I've seen some of the results from video, not just like marketing, but just sharing and sharing crazy ass experiences of like, oh my gosh, how, why is this happening to me? And why, 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 why? Um, but in putting the non-perfect life <laughs> And when we sell, we sell perfection, um, people actually have reached out to us to hire us because 
they're like, oh, I saw your story. And the thing I love about stories is you can be completely transparent and honest, but it disappears in 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. And so whoever sees it within that 24 hours, like great, but we've gotten clients out of it, which is great. And so you, I know you and I have talked about you doing some videos and just sharing the crazy ass experiences that you have been through personally and professionally and what's next for Stacey Wolf and how do you want now that you have exited three businesses and you're starting a new endeavor, how which I know you can use all those experiences and start off as like a much, much, much more like badass business owner because you went through hell. <laughs> and, yeah. But that was all for a reason. And so you have had this idea of sharing. And so what is your strategy next? Like, because I know for a little bit, you were like, I'm just kind of stuck. Like, I don't know. But now it's like, you had an epiphany. I don't know. Sometimes in the shower, I'm like, oh my God, I've got it. We need to do this. And here's this. I'll wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like making notes. Um, so how did you get that inspiration of like, what's next? What are you going to build so, next? I'm super excited and terrified to share this because now that I'm sharing it publicly, I have to follow through. But 100% accountability. So I have decided to document my journey over the next year, 365 days of basically going from the ground up, building something from scratch. Um, I don't know if I've shared this with you, Angela. I think I did, but I'm moving. Um, I'm moving to Hawaii. So which is amazing. So excited. So I'm not going to know anybody there and I have to create a real estate business from scratch without knowing a single connection. So I'm going to be documenting everything that I'm going through, the highs, the lows, the wins, the lose, the losses. Um, I'm calling it the 365 experiment, 365 days. I'm going to be doing a daily video. I'm going to be doing um, journal entries and I'm going to make my journal entries public. And my goal in doing this is to help other people become unstuck. Because what I realized was doing nothing changes nothing. But if we can just take the first step and then take another one, it compounds and it builds. So I'm going to just share my, my journey in its raw, natural form. Um, I'm going to be documenting this on Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Instagram, um, making sure people have a way to connect with me and I uh, can see what I'm up to. And hopefully, like I said, along the way, I can inspire someone to make the change that they've really wanted to make in their life too. Absolutely. That's so, okay. How, I mean, aside from the fact that Hawaii is beautiful and on the ocean, you know, the ocean and there are like crazy volcanoes, but how yeah. did you land on Hawaii? Like, which I love the fact you're such a risk taker and in true colors, you're so orange. You're like, let's just jump and go. I'm not going to oh, yep. think about it because you know, though, that you've already done this multiple times, right? Like you've already picked up, moved to a city, built businesses, exited those businesses that have been wildly su successful and 
so it's all it to me it's like okay you have a little bit of confidence you've already done it you have lots of experience to share you know how to build a community you know how to make connections i mean obviously it's still terrifying but how did you choose hawaii well my boyfriend and partner in crime mark um he would spend a quite a bit of time there before i met him and early in our relationship I went out to Hawaii to visit him and just absolutely fell in love with it. And he and I kind of had this dream of, oh, you know, maybe one day we'll, we'll move out there and, you know, live in nature and, you know, have the city nature hybrid life. And you know what, when I was going through this exit plan with my current businesses, I was like, now is the time to do it. I am not tangled up in anything. If I'm going to make a move, it's now. So he and I decided we were going to put the house on the market, sell everything, um, put all of our stuff in a pod and go. And so this is happening very fast. Um, it's like, I still can't even believe it's happening, but I'm so excited. I'm ready for the next chapter and I want to share it with everybody so they can see that you can literally have whatever life you want to have. And I want to document this for an entire year because I want to see what can really happen in one year's time when you're an intentional and you're working on your goals daily and you're doing it publicly and holding yourself accountable. Well, yeah. And that's the thing, like uh, something else that I've kind of learned the hard way is that um, when you tell your audience you're going to do something, if you don't do it, you lose the trust and respect, right? Absolutely. So, some of my team members, as we are building up consulting and teaching and co-working spaces and, you know, new ventures, but taking what we've learned and also leveraging the relationships and the reputation that we've built, a couple of my team members, they're like, I mean, you guys have mastered the wedding market, luxury market, and how to have people trust you with their money. And so why not just taking those exact same practices and using them because it's just a strategy and a process, but it always comes down to communication and accountability. And so as we started, we had a strategy day around this. And as we started to unpack it, it always came back to follow up, follow through, doing what we say we were going to do, which for some crazy reason, the older I get, the worse it gets, where people will say they will do something and they just don't do it. And it's not that they're trying not to do it or they're like not being intentional, but I think there's so much noise in our world today and it's just going to get noisier that if you don't know how to focus, you don't know what your goals are, you don't know what your intentions are, you've got to be intentional about accountability. You have to. And so... I think it's an awesome goal to say, okay, I'm going to put it out there publicly. Um, the, and the thing is, the more that people watch and the, the bigger your audience gets, sometimes like one person I was talking to earlier, she's like, people are just mean sometimes on, so, on social media. And it's like, it almost helps you build a thicker skin. <laughs> yeah. And that's something I need. So I'm prepared. I thought about that. I was like, am I ready to hear criticisms publicly too? And I'm like, yeah, girl, you're ready. Yeah. Like, I mean, why not now? And I love the fact that you're like, I'm going to jump. I'm going to, the, like you, ha like you said, you do the same thing, you get the same result. 
So you got to do something different. And there is no telling where this adventure is going to take you. <laughs> like there's no telling. Um, I mean, I already know just from like when you told me, okay, I'm going to pick up and move. People think I'm crazy. I'm like, well, I don't think you're crazy because I would probably do the same thing. <laughs> um, but I already know like I've done weddings in Hawaii. There's already people that I know who live in Hawaii. I'm like, we need to do a business retreat in Hawaii. Yeah, this, girl, I can't wait. Yeah, it's like it gives you more reason. And with the power of technology and social media, we have that ability and that freedom to get up and go wherever we want to go and own our own life and own our, our own experience. And the other thing that I love about you is like, you really don't give a shit what other people think. It's like, I'm going to do this. I've been through enough and I'm going to do this. Um, what are some other just like healthy things, tidbits that if someone is in a situation where it's like, okay, I need to focus um, and like, do you feel like it's almost like therapy and then also just a way to connect? Absolutely. You know, I think by publicly documenting my experiences, it's a way to deal with some of the intense situations that I've been, you know, I've encountered over these past few months. So I'm going to be working through a lot of, a lot of things that have come up in the past couple months, you know, and so it is a little therapeutic to publicly talk about it because guess what? I might find there's other people out there that have had a similar experience. And I think this is going to be just as much of a learning experience for me as it is for other people. Absolutely. Well, and that it's almost like the comforting part and being able to pull off the mask and say, you know, everything looks perfect and life's not perfect, but really in the background, there's all this stuff going on. And I mean, some days, like a few weeks ago, we were doing a 515 person wedding and like we went through two tornadoes and like shit was flying around. Like it was just crazy. And I look back at like how we all pulled together as a team and how we communicated with everybody and how we pulled everything off. And it's like, you're just in like go mode of like, what do I need to do right this minute to fix this situation? Almost like a panic mode, but a healthy panic mode. And so like Saturday, I'm like, oh, one week. It's been one week from that craziness. And wow. I never want to do another outdoor wedding ever. And people are, <laughs> they're like, and you'll get over it. Like, I know you're scarred right now because you can't control the weather. But it's almost just like being an entrepreneur. You cannot control it. And it's almost like shit storms happen. But there's always going to be some type of an outcome that can be positive if you think that way, if you're not like negative about it. So I love that approach. Um, and so for people that want to connect with you and want to follow your story, I know that you are super active and engaging on your Instagram, which your handle is at stacy.wolf. And y'all, it's S-T-A-C-I dot wolf with two F's. So W-O-L-F-F. -F. 
I always have to say that because like no one can spell my last name. I'm like, it's two F's and two T's. Yes. Um, so I like to spell that out because there's so many different ways to spell Stacy and different ways to And Wolf. Wolf. Yeah. Um, so definitely reach out and connect with Stacy. I know you said you'll be posting videos and updates um, on Instagram, and I know you said Facebook. Is your Facebook handle the same as Instagram? No dot, so just Stacy Wolf. And I'm going to make sure to put links in my Instagram bio so anybody can follow my journey and, you know, see if it resonates with them. And we can, you know, I'm hoping we can create a collaborative community where we can really learn from each other's experiences and, and, you know, just really support one another through all of the business challenges, life challenges, everything that gets thrown our way every single day. That's awesome. Now, are you going to do real estate in Hawaii? I am. Yeah. I actually sent my paperwork off today. So they do make you re retake the examination and you have to live there to take it. So um, first week of arrival, I'll be taking my real estate test and hopefully can hit the ground running. That is awesome. I know you will pass with flying colors, but I will still keep my fingers crossed and pray that everything goes perfect and everything happens for a reason. So whatever happens, it is definitely meant to happen. So thank you so much for your time today and sharing your journey and your story with our audience. And again, guys, make sure you reach out to Stacy on Instagram and follow her as she takes a new leap of faith. It's at Stacy.Wolf. And again, thank you so, so much for listening to another episode of Business Unveiled. Be sure to tune in next week so that you don't miss any juicy details of the stories that we are sharing. Have a great day. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I'm so very grateful if you leave a review. Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. Also, be sure that you are part of my email list. And if you're not, sign up today at AngelaProfit.com, where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Now, before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the creative industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Business Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.